Hello, listeners, and before we begin this week's episode, we just wanted to turn you on to an awesome other new podcast and get ready for a wild ride because if you are on the hunt for a podcast that is as entertaining as your favorite game, look no further than Critical Arcade. If you're a fan of video games and you haven't listened to their show, you are seriously missing out. Nick and Dave, the dynamic duo over at Critical Arcade, bring you the perfect blend of game reviews and hilarious banter to your ears every single week. It's like having your gaming buddies right there with you, breaking down the latest releases and making you snort your energy drink through your nose or your beverage of choice. Dave and Nick have a way of turning every review into an insightful comedy show that is definitely not to be missed. So if you're tired of boring game reviews or are want a break from our weird medieval nonsense and want to turn up your podcast game, subscribe to The Critical Arcade on your favorite platform now. Trust me, your commute, workout, or gaming session will never be the same again. Catch each episode weekly for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to download your podcasts. And with that, we will get back to our usual shenanigans. Pointing the finger at the Middle Ages, we bring you the choicest medieval nonsense, discuss and evaluate it, then pillage it for our own geeky purposes. Hey y'all, Future Mac here. This recording ran a little long and happened to fall right in that space where it's longer than we'd like a single episode to be, but not as long as we'd like a two-parter to be. So we decided to compromise. We're splitting it into two parts, but the second part will air next week rather than on our usual fortnightly schedule. Just so you know going in that we don't get all the way through the story in this episode, but you'll be able to hear it next week. Thank you, and enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Zoe, a professional game developer, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Mac, a PhD candidate at Purdue University, and we are two weird medievalists who teach you how to adapt weird medieval stories into TTRPGs. And today we are back with Marie de France and her weird fairy stories. And this one, this week we're going to get into Yannick, who, like, for having this lay named after him, doesn't actually appear all that much. But we'll get into that in a second. First, as always, we want to highlight ways you can get in touch with us. The primary way is, of course, our Discord. So do come and chat with us there. We also have our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, or whatever we're calling it these days, our Mastodon, and our Tumblr, which has seen a spike in popularity, I guess, after Twitter died. That's where all the medievalists went to hang out. Apparently. So thank you all for coming and joining us on the podcast who have made it over here from Tumblr. We love you. It is so fun to see all the wonderful things you've been throwing our way. And with that, Matt, you've been working on something on the Tumblr side. 
By the time this airs, it will have been going for a bit. Inspired by the recent conversations we've been having about inaccurate medieval scorpions on the Tumblr. Mm -hmm. They're weird, by the way. Like, they are weird-looking little things. People in Northern Europe do not know what scorpions are. Yeah. Or I assume they know now, but they didn't then. No. Because they didn't have the internet. Yeah. But so, we have decided to play a game of bestiary telephone on our own in the modern era. And the way that that is being implemented is that every Monday evening, I am posting on our Tumblr a an entry from the Aberdeen Bestiary, which has been anonymized. I've taken out all the discussion of the etymology and and also all the discussion of the religious symbolism, just because that's not relevant, no. and replaced the name of the animal with a nonsense word. And people are encouraged to make art of what they think this animal looks like based <laughs> on the description. Because that's all that a lot of these medieval artists had. So if you would like to feel like a medieval artist, this is your chance. Yeah, exactly. So join us on Tumblr for that. We are maniculum.tumblr.com. Easy to remember. Links are in the show notes. I can add that. Yeah, and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to the like little section of our blog where I'll be collecting these as we go and sharing the art that people make so that you can check it out. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, come and join us wherever you are on your preferred social media. And yeah, it's fun. It's so much fun. So listeners, with that, all of our social media has been propagated, explored. Come check it out with us. We love when you do. But anyway, to our episode today, speaking of like weird telephone recreations of old stories, that's essentially what this week's Lay of Marie de France is. This lay in particular is Yonick. It's one of her, I think there's 12 in her lays. But anyway, this little story has a lot of weird Celtic origins that have been quote-unquote modernized in Marie's time to kind of fit that courtly chivalric romance vibe. And so you're going to see things that seem really out of pocket in this story because she's trying to fit modern storytelling into like with these old motifs. So that's what's happening in this story. It's sometimes how you'll see like modern Shakespeare plays set in the modern day, but they use the original Shakespeare language. You're like, this doesn't really fit, but I'm following along more than if it were all Shakespeare and set in, you know, Tudor. Was it, I guess it was Elizabethan England. Yeah. Yeah. So that being said, there's some weird layers going on in this one and it's really fun. Is Elizabeth I, not Tudor? I can't remember. I think she was right before the Tudors, but, like, James was also around at the same time that Shakespeare was. Like, Shakespeare overlapped with different monarchs. I think Henry Tudor took the throne in, like, the 1400s, which would have been, would have been before Elizabeth. Before Elizabeth, and then Elizabeth, and then James. I think she's one of his descendants. Yeah. That always feels late to me, because I always, you know, I think we both tend to focus on the early Middle Ages, and so by the time yeah. we get to, like, Elizabethan England, I'm like, that's modern English. That's It is modern English. It is modern, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's early modern. It is early modern. It's like the 1500s, man, and 1600s. That's, that's modern England. That ain't Middle Ages. Anyway, this is squarely in the Middle Ages, so... I shall jump in. And apologies if I'm saying Yonic wrong. It's literally Y-O-N-E-C. Should it be like Yone for for the French? I don't know. 
It's pronounced Pierre. Yeah, I'm sure it is. So anyway, Yannick. That's how we're. That's how I'm calling him. Oh, and if I get distracted on like dumb tangents again, <laughs> like I did with Guijamar, like yell at me or something. Like okay. if, if at any point I start like nitpicking what type of wood a boat is made out of. I know, yeah. I I need you to figure out a way to, like, spray me with a squirt bottle through the screen. Okay, I can do that. I'll just kick you off the call. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds like, that sounds like Yeah, it'll work. And then you'll be like, what happened? And so we'll have 15 minutes of your uninterrupted ranting. Yeah. And then we'll be back. Anyway, all right. So, jumping in. Marie provides, like, a very short little introduction here. Since I have commenced, since I have begun, I would not leave any of these lays untold. The stories that I know I would tell you forthwith. Thanks, Marie. Get on with it. My hope now is to rehearse to you the story of Yonick, the son of... I'm gonna f*** this guy's name up. Edumarek. Yeah. His mother's firstborn child. In days of yore, there lived in Britain a rich man, old and full of years, who was the lord of the town and realm of Chepstow. This town is builded on the banks of the Douglas. The town is built on the bank of the Douglas River. I don't know why this is the language we're getting. It's archaic. It's archaic. So there you go. Anyway, this town is renowned by reason of many ancient sorrows which have there befallen. It's a cursed town. Do we find specifically what ancient sorrows? I don't think we do. I think this is just, um, the Lord of Chepstow lives. Oh, I guess the town and realm is both called Chepstow. So Chepstow is this old cursed town. Gaius Publius Marius once stubbed his toe here, and it hurt for two days. Exactly. It's not quite told. But you can already see this, like, fairy tale motif coming through of, like, this old cursed town run by an old cursed dude. So, when he was well stricken in years, this lord took himself a wife, that he might have children. An old cursed wife. No, she's actually young. So this is the motif of the old crotchety man and the young beautiful woman. Now, we already had this in one of our stories. And so you're going to see the same motifs kind of overlap and then diverge. Will they have old cursed children? They will have one cursed child. Oh, so okay. that the curses do continue. I think that's why it's a cursed town. So anyway, this old guy wants kids because lords are, I guess, obsessed with their lineages. But it's literally their job to establish an heir. I guess. <laughs> The damsel, who was bestowed upon this wealthy lord, came from an honourable house, was kind and courteous, and passing fair. She was beloved by all because of her beauty, and none was more sweetly spoken of from Chepstow to Lincoln, yea, or from there to Ireland. So, she's a beauty, essentially. I thought she was only passing fair. It seems she's actually quite fair. Quite fair, indeed. Great was their sin who married the maiden to this aged man. Since she was young and gay, that is to say, happy, not a lesbian, although... Which would also be a reason not to marry an old man. It would be, it would be quite the twist if, if this, this chick was also a lesbian. But anyway, since she was young and fair, he shut her fast within his tower that he might easier keep her to himself. This sounds very familiar. Yes, so we already had this in our last story where the old guy took her to a tower... And locked her in there, and then the boat comes this along. This is Guijamar again. Yeah, but it's not, because it has a different twist. So there's just lots of damsels and towers right now. I assume I made the Rapunzel jokes when we did Guijamar, so I won't rehash them. Alas. But again, like, she comes from this same lineage, right? She just happens to be named for a type of lettuce. 
If you don't know that story, if you don't know the, the like lineage behind that, Rapunzel is like a type of lettuce in German. Yeah. So that's where she gets her name. It's the plant that her parents stole from the witch. Yes. It's lettuce. Yeah. So where were where was I? Yes. He set in charge of the damsel, his elder sister, a widow, to hold her more surely in the ward. An old cursed widow. Indeed. These two ladies dwelt alone in the tower, together with their women, in a chamber by themselves. So they also have servants. Right. I love the medieval tendency to go, like, alone with their servants. With their servants. Like, they, <laughs> they don't count. They're like furniture it's or appliances. Fine. Yeah. Which is really, you know, quite a shame. And I think the tendency to do that leaves a lot of room for... I guess, modern storytelling to come in and tell the quote-unquote, like, untold stories of Mm -hmm. these servants or of the relationships that this lady had to the servants. Or, like, maybe she was actually a lesbian and had a secret relationship with one of her servants. Like, there's so many ways you can bring this up and tie this in. It's just, it's interesting from a storytelling perspective. I just did the Mallory chapter of my dissertation, and I was reading Mort D'Arthur, obviously. But the point is... There's this one passage where Mallory describes a hermit who (laughs) has multiple servants in his hermitage. No! And then goes off, like, bemoaning the fact that hermits in Mallory's day no longer keep great households. And I was like... What? Either I or Sir Thomas Mallory do not know what a hermit is, and... I'm not confident that this is on me. No, I'm pretty sure that's a Mallory thing. I think we pretty well know what a hermit is. Like, historically, Mallory's the odd one out here. Like, hermits don't have households and servants and stuff. Like, I get, like, an old lonely guy who lives in his house, you know, and has servants, but he's not a hermit. Right, and this is specifically religious hermits, so they're like, Oh my god! I'm living out in the wilderness in religious purity with only my mansion and battalion of servants to comfort me. Ugh. I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> Nobody let Elon Musk know that that's how Mallory defined it, because then he's going to co-opt that term. If we can convince him that hermits can have servants, but can't have internet, I think it might actually be plus. That could be. I'm assuming that he'll go less than a year before one of his servants murders him. I feel like he would just start dictating his tweets, though. That's also probably You know, true. which wouldn't work as well. Anyway, anyway. Genuinely surprised that he hasn't been assassinated somehow. Right? Like, what the hell? I think it's because he's in league with the, like, the people who would assassinate other people. I'm sure he has, like, a personal chef. How is that food not poisoned? I don't know, man. Money must be good. I guess. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Our own lords and billionaires aside. So these two women are living alone in their tower with all their servants. And the damsel might have speech of no one except at the bidding of the ancient dame. So she's, like, not allowed to talk to anybody except when her sister-in-law allows it, right? Mm -hmm. And that just seems absolutely miserable. And so it's, it's interesting to me because instead of the, like, evil uncle here, we have kind of the evil aunt figure. Because even yeah, though she's a sister-in-law, bit. she's way older than this mm-hmm. woman. So we still kind of have that dynamic going on. She could be a wicked stepmother? Qu- kind of, kind yeah. Of? Like, a, she's kind of a wicked stepmother figure in terms of talking about tropes. Yeah. So more than seven years passed in this fashion, 
And the lady had no children for her solace, and she never went forth from the castle to greet her kids. Wasn't that the point? I think so, but I don't think that... The guy's really old. How, like, how potent is he at this point? I guess. I mean, it's also not specifying whether he visits. He does. Okay. It's the next line. Her husband's jealousy was such that when she sought her bed, no chamberlain or usher was permitted to light the candles in the room. So, like, when she... Oh, I guess it, it's not. Like, she just... When she goes to bed, no... Nobody is allowed in that chamber. Because, like, she's not allowed to have any friends. She literally can only be here as something for her husband to carry children. Like, that's literally her role. That's what is set up here. I'm remembering the Guijamar setup, which also, like, described an old man locking away his young wife. Mm -hmm. And also, like, kind of implied that he never visited. And it's like, what? Why? What are you doing? Yeah, why? Do you understand where babies come from? Just because you have a (laughs) wife doesn't mean she's going to start popping them out. Like, you have to be involved. Right, and the interesting thing here is he also will not allow any other man into the room. Like, it says all of her servants, and the words here are, like, Chamberlain or usher, which are masculine coded terms. So, like, there are male servants around. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, like, he obviously knows how babies are made. Like, he's not letting another man get close to her at all. I mean, maybe he's jealous for other reasons. I don't know, man. So, anyway, she gets real depressed and her beauty begins to fail because obviously she's depressed. She's not eating, she's not taking care of herself. And at times she hated the very shadow of that beauty which had spoiled all her life. Which is understandable, actually, you know. You know, if I remember my classics correctly. (laughs) Famously, Buttercup's melancholy made her more beautiful. So maybe it's just about your regimen. That's true. Maybe like some, like the tears, she needs to like moisturize her skin with them. I don't know. Interestingly here, and I want to point out both in Guijmar and in Yonek, It is set up so that the villains in this story are the people who are, like, hiding this woman away and making her role, like, only, like, to have children. Like, that that is set up as a negative thing here. And so I think, again, there's this stereotype that, like, oh, well, back in the Middle Ages, women were only supposed to be wives and mothers. And it's like, no, like, clearly here, that is being put in a very, very bad light. And I think it's acknowledged that, no, you need to have friends, you need to have community, like, women do more than just, you know, have a womb. So I think that's really interesting to point out here, that medieval texts are highly aware that, no, that's not how we treat women. Yeah, like, even in the most traditionalist, like, interpretations, women are still expected to be part of the community. Mm -hmm. They're not just a machine that makes babies. Right. So, now when April had come, with the gladness of the birds, this lord rose early on a day to take his pleasure in the woods. He bade his sister go rise from her bed. Begin with that phrasing. (laughs) To take pleasure in the woods? Yeah, it's not great. He's gonna go on a walk. And so he tells his sister to rise from her bed and make the doors fast behind him, so like, lock the doors. She did this, and going apart, commenced to read the psalter that she carried in her hand. The lady awoke and shamed the brightness of the sun with her tears. She saw that the old woman was gone forth from the chamber and so made her complaint without fear of being overheard. Alas, said she, in an ill hour was I born. This comes from, again, like the zodiac and like what type of stars you were under, like in the sign of Mercury or whatever. I like that she's just soliloquizing here, like just 
facing the audience and making her statements. I mean, she literally doesn't get to talk to any anyone else, so why not herself? Fair. Yeah, fair. My lot is hard to be shut in this tower, never to go out until I am carried to my grave, which, what a fucking line. Mm-hmm, that's good. Of whom is this jealous lord fearful that he holds me so fast in prison? Great as a man's folly always to have it in his mind that he may be deceived. Which, again, baller line. Mm-hmm. I cannot go to church, nor hearken to the service of God. Oh, of course, that's the issue. <laughs> great, great. Well, she goes on to more, but again, like you have to remember that church was kind of the cornerstone of medieval society in Europe at the time. I'm trapped in the wrong oppressive patriarchal system. <laughs> I want the other one. I mean, at least when you like have nuns, you can chat with the other nuns. Yeah, that's you fair. know, if I might talk to folk or to have little pleasure in my life, I should show the more tenderness to my husband, as is my wish. Very greatly are my parents and my kin to blame for giving me to this jealous old man and making us one flesh. That is to say, marrying us. Mm. I cannot even look to become a widow, for he will never die. He's old! Yeah, but she's like, he's not dying fast enough. Girl, kill him! <laughs> they don't have CSI! <laughs> he doesn't visit often enough for her to kill him. Take control of your destiny. Stab That's, him. That's, you know, fair. In a place of the waters of baptism, certainly he was plunged in the flood of the sticks. That sticks with a Y, listeners. Yes. His nerves are like iron and his veins quick with the blood as those of a young man. Often I have heard that in years gone by, things chanced to the sad, which brought their sorrows to an end. F***ing what was that sentence? Um, hang on. Oh, sh okay, so she's saying, like, I've heard stories, because here's the next line. I've heard fairy tales where a knight would meet a maiden, fresh and fair to his desire. Damsels took to themselves lovers, discreet and brave, and were blamed for nothing. Moreover, since these ladies were not seen of any except by their friends, who was there to count them blameworthy? Perchance I deceive myself, and in spite of all the tales, such adventures happen to no one. Ah, uh, if only the mighty god would but shape the world to my wish. She's praying for her own, like, personal Guijamar. Yeah, yeah, she's like, I've heard these stories, and I really wish it would happen to me, because I feel like I'm in the beginning of this really sad part of the depressing fairy tale, and now I want my own happy ending. I've grown out my hair and everything, and no one is climbing She's it. trying so hard. Now, when the lady had made her plaint, as you have known, the shadow of a great bird descended into the narrow window, so that she marveled at what it might mean. This falcon flew straight away into the chamber, jest and hooded from the glove, and came where the dame was seated. So, that refers to falconry. Yeah, he's got the little hood, which is what keeps the falcon from just going off after whatever bird. Like, you unhood the falcon mm -hmm. when the bird you want is there. So he so goes, he goes after, after it, yeah. I think the Jess is the little strap that connects the falcon's leg to the glove. Correct, yes. So this falcon comes in blind and presumably <laughs> splatters on the wall. I, like, I don't know why it says that he's wearing these things. So the Jess makes sense because it's like a little a little bit that you then hook the leash to. Mm -hmm. But I don't know why he's got the hood. I mean, I guess it indicates that like this isn't a falcon who's been intentionally released. He's like he's, he's not supposed to yeah. be flying around. Yeah. But anyway, don't think too much about this falcon just yet because it's going to change. While the lady yet wondered upon him, the Tercel became a young and comely knight before her eyes. The lady marveled exceedingly at this sorcery. 
Is he still wearing a hood and a shackle? Because th- then I think he's there for some very specific <laughs> It does not specify. So I will let you embellish as you desire. <laughs> her blood turned to water because of the dread, and she hid her face in her hands. By reason of his courtesy, the knight first sought to persuade her to put away her fears. Okay, a couple things. Uh-huh. One, a, a tersel is a bird, guys, in case anyone was it's confused about th- that. a young male hawk. Thank you. Yep. Two, so she's like, where's my Prince Charming? <laughs> and then a bird flies uh-huh. in the window, turns into Prince Charming, <laughs> and she hides her face like a toddler playing peekaboo. Wouldn't you? I mean, I'd be a little freaked out. I'd ask questions. I wouldn't, like, do the... If I can't see him, he can't see me hide under the blankets thing. That's fair. That's fair. So she she's very worried that this is, like, black sorcery. Well, yeah, probably. Right. And so, in, <laughs> and you can read these next lines of the night either as, like, kind of creepy or, like, really romantic. And it's entirely up to you how you want to read them. I'm pretty sure anyone who comes unsolicited into a young woman's window and frightens her is automatically going to be read as creepy. I would agree with this, but then again, people really enjoy modern women's fantasy fiction, and I read some of it, and I'm like, this is creepy as f***, but okay. I just, I don't know, man. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't, this is not a genre I am familiar with. I tried. I have tried, but I, I couldn't do it. Anyway, point is, he comes in, and he's all gussied up, right? And he goes, lady, be not so fearful. To you, this hawk shall be as gentle as a dove. If you will listen to my words, I will strive to make plain what might now be dark to you. I have come in this shape to your tower, that I might pray you of your tenderness, and make of me your friend. I have loved you long, and in my heart have esteemed your love above anything else in the world. Save for you, I have never desired a wife or a maid, and I shall find no other woman desirable until I die. I should have sought you before, but I might not come, nor even leave my own realm till you called me in your need. Lady in charity, take me as your friend. Alright, I have a couple comments. (laughs) One, yes weird. Yes weird. Two, let's be clear, when you say gussied up, you mean he's wearing like nice clothes. Yes. We're not going back to the like hood and shackle thing. No, he's just, he's very pretty. Three, I'm currently looking something up because that this is a really, really common folklore motif, mm-hmm. and I want to make mm-hmm. sure I get the number correct. This is Arn Thompson motif number 432, the bird lover, a.k.a. the prince as bird. Probably the most famous version is the Russian, I want to say. I think so. Folktale, Bright Finnest the Falcon. Yes. Oh, and the Wikipedia page calls out Yonex specifically, so I'm going to close this to avoid spoilers. There we go. There's also a lot of Irish folktales that do this, also Brythonic folktales that do this, which is Welsh, Cornish, and Breton tales, and this is a Breton tale, so you will recognize it. This is a one of those divisions between different Celtic languages and cultures. Correct. Brythonic. Yeah, Brythonic. Which is a fun word. I, I don't think I'd heard it in a long time and it popped up and I was like, ooh, that's a great word. Yes, so this is extremely common. He's also from a different realm which should indicate to any listeners that he is a fairy. So he's also coming from a different world and this is like 
I'm going to make a Shrek 2 reference here. So you know how in Shrek 2, like, if you cry on the fairy godmother's card, she'll appear. Like, you have to beg the fae for help before they can come to you. This is also that motif. So again, we've got, like, layers and layers and layers of motifs here. Let's see. Yeah, so those are the big ones. But yeah, the fairy slash bird lover thing is so freaking common. So we're about to dive into the world of this trope and motif. And if I recall correctly, this is going to lead to him being in some way horribly injured. I shall spoil not. Hmm. We might go into an east of the sun, west of the moon thing, where you, where she has to, like, do the Cupid and Psyche, like, I have to atone for this sin. There may be a shirt that needs to be cleaned of blood. We'll see. We'll see where this goes. Let's just say that atonement is kind of a theme here. Like, it, it can never be is another one of these themes that connects a lot. So, again, like, Guijmar had kind of a happy story with this, like, damsel in the tower. But it's, we're going a little bit meta here when the lady in this story is like, I wish I could have my happy fairy tale ending. Take that as a meta hint that this might not go the way that Guijmar did. Right. Also, the bird is Yonek, right? Nope. Okay. No. Like I said. What's his name? Did he give a name? Um, not yet. Okay. He's gonna. At least he should. His name is known. I'll, we'll get to his name. But yeah, as, like I said at the very beginning, like for this story being called Yonek, Yannick doesn't really show up for a while. Alas, poor Yannick. I know. We do not know him yet. (laughs) We do not know him yet. So the lady took heart and courage when she heard these words. Presently, she uncovered her face and answered. (laughs) Girl, he still exists when you're not looking at him. She's uh, she's a maiden. She is in distress. She's not a maiden anymore. (laughs) She might be if her husband really doesn't know how babies are made. Also, she is seven years older than she was at the start of this story, so I assume she's, like, a regular adult now. Yeah. We're not talking a teenager. Yeah, I would expect so. Anyway, she said that perchance she would be willing to give him, again, his hope, if only she had sure faith in God. She said that because of her fear of sorcery, that in her heart she loved him already because he was so beautiful, but she was not, like, fully convinced. All right, I'm into it, but I need you to prove that you're not a necromancer. Basically, yeah. She's like, can you can you prove to me that you're not a demon? Is kind of her vibe. Which, to be fair, I guess is, A, reasonable concern, genre awareness, mm-hmm, good job. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like this is basically the equivalent of, like, making sure you meet your Tinder date in a public location yeah. to make sure they're not a psycho. Yeah, like, this guy just bamfed in. From being a falcon to a dude, I would also kind of want to vet, like, okay, what supernatural creature am I dealing with here? Are you a falcon? Yeah, like, there's falcon, fairy, demon, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of options here, so she's gotta, she's gotta check. So, lady, he replied, you ask rightly, for nothing that man can give would I have you doubt my faith and affiance. Now, I'm going to highlight this word here because... Affiance is literally our engagement. It just means to be engaged. Oh, like fiance. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he's like, oh, yeah, I don't want you to doubt our engagement. So let me prove to you that, you know, I'm a Christian. This is moving fast. Yeah, he's, he is not <laughs> slowing down. He is taking advantage of the fact that he is, again, just like in Guijmar, literally the only option. Literally the only option. The old lady's out of the way. 
her miserable old husband is off in the woods taking his pleasure. So he he's seizing the day. Mm-hmm. I believe truly in God, the maker of all, who redeemed us from our woe, brought by our father Adam, and eating the blah, 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 the fruit, blah, blah, blah. This God is and never was, and all that shall be, and the light, blah, 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 blah. If you still give no credence for my word, ask for your chaplain. Tell him that since you are sick, you greatly desire to hear the service appointed by God to heal the sinner of his wound. That is, give me the communion. I will take the communion and receive the body of the Lord, and thus you will be certified of my faith and never have reason to mistrust me. Interesting. Okay, so he, so they're hitting on a couple, like, standard tests. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. can you say, like, holy shit without bursting into flame or something? Because yep. that's, that's sometimes a thing. Like, you legitimately can't articulate it if you're a, a cursed being of some kind. And second, can you be exposed to holy objects and rituals safely? Exactly. And can you, like, consume the body of Christ is, I think, the biggest one. Because depending on the period, depending on blah, 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 you might literally be ingesting the body of Christ. But you might also, like, if you can take communion, one, you're a Christian. And two, you're not a demon. Like, you're, you're, you won't get sick from it. Mm-hmm. So you'll be good to go. So I think this is a very, very fair test. He's kind of expecting this. He's ready for this. Man, what if Urgot got into the communion wafers at some point? <laughs> that would be such a wild situation. I feel like that would just be like holy visions. That would be, be getting a lot of holy yeah. visions going on. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Urgot can provi- produce, provide, it can produce hallucinations when ingested. I think it is it is the source of some of the material you use to make LSD. Yeah. Although I could not swear to that. It's a reliable source, shall we say. What is ergot? You're going to know this better than me. It's a fungus. Yeah. It grows on grain. Yeah. So it can get into the wheat, and if you make bread with it, blah, 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 then hallucinations and holy visions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... When the sister of that ancient lord returned from her prayers to the chamber, she found the lady was awake. Because remember, she got up early and she's like, I'm going to go do my psalter reading because I'm an old, miserable woman. She told her that since it was time for her to get from bed, she would make ready her vesture. The lady made answer that, oh, I'm sick, and begged to get the chaplain, for she feared greatly that she might die. Vesture, I assume, is clothing. Yes, just what you're wearing. Like, get up, get out of your dress, your, your night clothes, and put everything on. And the aged dame replied, Hold on, hold on. I'm not sure they had pajamas. Is this why she was so, like, unpleasantly surprised when they had the nightgowns. the Falcon show They up? had like, their oh, short I'm not clothes. Alright. They have, you know, like, their chemis, their undershirt. Like, you wear your undershirt. I mean, I guess you don't have to, like... I mean, like, why would you? You don't have washing machines. You That's don't want to get it dirtier than you have to. Uh, maybe she was in the nude. Like, she's still in bed, so maybe she's just pulling it up over herself. That makes sense. I'd buy it. This hot guy just like, shaboom. I'm here now and I'm in love with you. And she's like, wow, I am not dressed in this moment. <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, you know. We'll roll with I, that. I feel like that helps that scene. I think it does. Like, it makes her reaction seem more realistic. Yes. We also don't know, like, where this guy goes when this old woman comes in. He's under the bed. He's under the bed. Like, to me, like, I'm picturing him, like, behind a curtain, just, like, watching this. 
from a corner, like, uh, uh. He's conveniently standing just out of her range of vision. Yeah, just, just behind the cupboard or something. So anyway, so the old lady replies, You must endure the best you may, for my lord has gone to the woods, and no one will enter this tower except for me. Because again, like, while the lord is gone, nobody else can see her. Right. Including chaplains, so the lord apparently doesn't trust priests any more than I do. Fair enough. I feel like those numbers haven't changed over time. Yeah, probably not. Right distressed was the lady to hear these words. She called a woman's wiles to her aid and made seeming to swoon upon the bed. <laughs> okay, those are the woman's wiles. Yes, okay, yes. I was like, are you going to seduce the old lady? <laughs> no, she's like, I'm going to be tricky. And so she like faints. <laughs> <laughs> This was seen by the sister of her lord, and she was much dismayed. She's like, oh, f*** this b-. And so she set wide the doors open of the chamber and summoned the priest. The chaplain came as quickly as he was able, carrying communion. And then it just says, the knight received the gift and drank of the wine, and the priest went his way. King <laughs> what? Marie's like, you don't need to know the details. I'm not sorting this one out. <laughs> Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, the old woman, the sister, goes to get the priest. She comes back with the priest. They go into... Does the protagonist have a name? She does not. She's just the lady, because of course she is. They go into the protagonist's room and give communion to this guy who is not supposed to be there. And they do not comment on this. Hang on, I am figuring this out because I think I remember... In the poem, it's a little bit different, and it's going to make make sense. So, I mean, I kind of like the idea that it, that it just straight up doesn't. <laughs> like, if I were making this a movie, I would choose it's hilarious. to just have them conveniently not notice or not think this is odd and never explain it. But this is why I'm not allowed to make movies. I Okay, so... I think, and I can't find it because I've got a translation of the poem, but I can't remember, and this might be cleared up later, but he can already shapeshift. I think that he shapeshifts into, like, her image, Mm -hmm. and they swap places, and so she's in the curtain, and he's in the bed looking like her, and he's like, oh no, I'm dying. And so that's how he takes the communion. I don't move my hands like that. Do it better. Yeah, Yeah, basically. So I think that's what's going on. That would make sense. Let's. I'm going to infer that here, and it might... I swear I read that somewhere. But anyway, we'll figure it out. So, anyway, he takes the communion after pretending to faint and all of that, blah, blah, blah. And so the priest goes away, and the old woman made fast the door behind him. So she, like, locks her back in her chamber. The knight and the lady were greatly at their ease. <laughs> Sorry, that's even funnier yeah. if the disguise isn't mentioned. That she's just like, all right, now that you and your friend yeah. have had communion, I'll just lock you back in. It's fine. So, yeah. So he shapeshifts. We're going to go with that. Because otherwise this makes no sense. But yeah, so they're they're greatly at their ease and they're very happy. And they had much to tell one another. But the hours passed until it was time for the knight to go again to his own realm. He prayed the dame to give her leave to depart, and she sweetly granted his prayer, yet only so he promised to return often to her side. Lady, he said, so you please to require me at any hour, you may be sure that I shall hasten at your pleasure. 
But I beg you to observe such measure in the matter that none may do us wrong. This old woman will spy on us night and day. Like, oh, and she apparently can't <laughs> see you. <laughs> and if she observes our friendship, we'll certainly show it to her lord. Should this evil come upon us, for it both means separation and for me, most surely death. Now put my hood back on and point me in the direction of the window. <laughs> yeah, basically. Try to be specific. I've missed before. <laughs> I tried to do this two weeks ago, but I hit the wall instead. It did not go well. So, yeah, in case listeners have not figured this out already, when when these people are asking for friendship, they're asking for a little bit more than that. Is this Marie or is this the translators? Do you know? I think this is... I think this is Marie because the courtly poetic nature of like, you don't talk about sex. Like the Vikings, they're like, yeah, they had sex. But in this sort of poetry, no, they had friendship. You know, it's like historians where they're like, those two ladies were such good friends. They were friends, you know, they lived together. They were, they were such good friends. They even adopted a child. These friends who lived together and shared a bed. This is a friendship with many and expansive benefits. Yes, indeed. So that's what's actually going on here. And, you know, I shall hasten at your pleasure is like, he's like, I'm so ready to f***. Yes. Whenever you want, call on me and we will do it. We will get it on. Here is the magical booty call talisman. Yes, basically. Wait, how, how, how is she supposed to get in touch with him? Is she just like supposed to like holler and like he'll hear? Is I, it like that I song? mean, that's what she did last time. I guess. Right? Yeah, okay. She she literally was like, I wish I had a magical night, and he just, he appeared. So, ye old booty call. Yeah, and then fair enough. he pops in. Maybe this is just his job. Like, he's like, <laughs> I don't know, Grubhub for Prince Charming's. Oh my gosh. I really like that idea. That's really funny. Or Prince's Charming, I suppose it should be. I feel like that could be really fun to integrate into a campaign where, like, kings and lords are like, well, I guess I ought to make my daughter's 18th birthday something real special. Let me just call up ye old Prince Charming hotline. It's like a more classy fairy tale version of a gigolo. Mm-hmm. There you go. Anyway, the knight returned to his realm, leaving behind him the happiest lady in the land. <laughs> She's like, He's finally! <laughs> Finally! All these years and I finally got the O. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what, what we're talking about. Oh yeah, I'm about. sure anyway. her husband never reciprocated. Never, yeah, never cared, yeah. On the morrow, she rose sound and well and went lightly through the week, so she's like actually happy again. She took such heed to her person that her former beauty began to come to her again. The tower that she was wont to hate became to her now as a pleasant lodging that she would not leave for any abode and garden on earth. There she could see her friend at will, and once her lord had gone forth from the chamber in the day, early and late, at morn and eve, the lovers would get together. God grant her joy was long against the evil day that came. Just like rabbits, then. I guess. I mean, she's got some time to catch up on. Fair enough. It's not like she has anything else to do. Yeah. The husband of the lady presently took notice of the change in his wife's fashion and person. You're glowing lately. Yeah, yeah. he was troubled. He's like, what the f***? My wife looks too <laughs> happy today. I mean, his entire character is around making her miserable. So. Fair. 
It does stand to reason. So he was troubled and misdoubting his sister, took her apart to reason with her on a day. Have you been sleeping with my wife? (laughs) That's a good question. He told her of his wonder that the dame arrayed herself so sweetly and inquired what this meant. The crone answered that she knew no more than he, quote, for we have very little speech one with another. She sees neither kin nor friend, but now she seems quite content to remain alone in her chamber. I like that that's her response. Like, she's basically just like, I don't know. We don't hang out. Like, what? Yeah, Why would talk? I know? Yeah. Like, you think I'm talking to that little f- No. The husband made reply, doubtless she is content and well content. I think that this is double speak for, like, somebody's f***ing her. Or maybe she got one of those instruments we keep hearing about. Oh my gosh. What was it, like, of diabolical use or something? Uh-huh. I don't know, maybe maybe she got one of one of Hildegard's like stones that invigorates somebody. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, doubtless she is content and well content. But by my faith, we must do all we may to discover the cause. Hearken to me. Some morning when I've risen from my bed and you have shut the doors upon me, make a pretense to go forth and let her think herself alone. Hide This is a weird phrasing. You must hide yourself in a privy place. Find a secret corner. Yeah, privy just means, like, private. Right, I guess I'm just used to the archaic, like, privy meaning bathroom. Yeah, you must hide yourself in the toilet. Uh, yeah, like, go go stand in the bathroom and, like, through the doors, listen in. Yeah, but no, this is just unnecessarily redundant, because it's like, you should hide in a place that's hidden. Yeah, indeed. But no sh- No sh- So we shall then learn the secret of this newfound joy. Having devised this snare, they went their ways. Alas, for those who were innocent. I feel like devised this snare is giving way too much credit to hide somewhere and watch her. <laughs> yeah, and watch, yeah. I mean, like, they are doing the pretense of, like, we're gonna make, you know, I'm gonna leave, you're gonna lock the doors, blah, 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 you know. But still, it's like, come on. Three days later, the husband pretended to go forth from the house. So he's, like, not actually even leaving. He's just, he, he's, they're opening the doors and we're closing it. Yeah, blah, no, blah, he's, blah. he's doing that thing where you, like, stand behind something and walk while bending your legs so it looks like you're going into a basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He told the lady, his wife, that the king had bidden him by letters to his court and that he should return speedily. <laughs> he went from the chamber, making fast the door. His sister arose from the bed and hid behind the curtains where she might see and hear what so greedily she desired to know. I mean, apparently the curtains were good enough for... for. Yeah. Wait, does he not have it? What's his name? It's not stated, but it is stated in the lore. Hang on. Let me... Let me... Marie, name your characters. Come I on. I know, I know. And, like, when they do have names, they're actually, like, there's a bazillion different spellings, so right, hang yeah. on. Apparently there are plenty of places to hide in this room, or at least yeah. at least ones that are good enough that uh, our various fairy tale characters are not observant enough to notice. Muldumarek. Mold- Muldumarek. 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 Okay, I do think you said that name before, because that sounds familiar. Yes. Yeah. Muldumarek, okay. Muldumarek, yeah. I don't know where the emphasis goes, but there we go. So anyway, she's hiding behind the curtains, and the lady could not sleep so fervently she wished for her friend. The night came at her call, but he might not tarry, nor cherish her more than one single hour. So I guess he's got multiple appointments. Yeah. He's got a busy day. Yeah. 
Grant was the joy between them, both in word and tenderness, until he could no longer stay. All of this the crone saw with her eyes and stored in her heart. She watched the fashion in which he came, and in the guy- <laughs> in the guy- <laughs> Was it doggy style? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> Sorry, listeners, that one got me off guard. <laughs> When you read these, like, alone by yourself, you read it in the style, and then when, like, when you say it out loud, you're like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Max just gone. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It just caught me off guard. That's like, that's, that is phrasing that obviously Marie de France and probably, very possibly her translator would not have been aware of. (laughs) Actually, I don't know how old that particular phrasing is, but obviously that's not what was meant, but in the context of how we've been talking about this guy. I mean, she is watching. So anyway, she watched him transform as he entered into the chamber and as he departed the chamber. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she was fearful and amazed that so goodly a knight should wear the semblance of a hawk. So even she's like, he fine. Mm Mm-hmm. When the husband returned to his house, for he was near at hand, it said he didn't go out. I guess he, like, went to the garden, but he didn't go to court. Yeah. Yeah. His sister told him of that which she had witnessed, and of the truth concerning the knight. Right heavy was he and wrathful. Straight away, he contrived a cunning gin. Um, spell that? G-I-N. A cunning gin for the slaying of the bird. He caused four blades of steel to be fashioned. Ah, I knew it. He's going to be all cut up. That's how this story goes. Yep. Oh, a gin trap. A snare for catching game. Ah, you beat me to it. Oh, sorry. Still read it. I think yours is going to be more interesting. Oh, apparently the original meaning is just skill or ingenuity or cunning. Ooh, that's even cooler. A contrivance, a scheme, a device. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definition four is a contrivance for catching game, a snare, net, trap, or the like. Incidentally, the separate entry, which comes after this one, because it's a later meaning for the drink, describes it as an ardent spirit distilled from grain or malt. Which I think is some fun phrasing on the part of the OED. Mm Mm-hmm. So, he creates a snare. The gin trap, by the way, is one of those, I guess... What do, what do we call them nowadays? The the traps that, like, clamp around a leg? Bear traps, I think. Well, right. But that's the technical term. That's what a gin trap is. Oh, okay. Historically. Yeah. But that's not what he's creating. He's creating a snare. He caused four blades of steel to be fashioned, with point and edge sharper than the keenest razor. He fastened these firmly together, oh my gosh, and set them securely within the window, by which the tersel would come to his lady. Ah, God, that so fair a knight might not see nor hear of this wrong, that there should be none to show him such treason. That is exactly what happens in Venice the Falcon, except the girl's not married. It's her, like, evil sister or something that does it. But it's still the evil sister. I thought this was the Lord. It's the sister-in-law who's also setting this up. Yeah. So, again, these motifs are very, very strong. We see them over the course of many, many different, like, ethnicities here. So I guess he he builds like a shuriken, like a like a weird ninja throwing star and sets it like in the yeah. window so that you can't like if you fly through it, you're going to fly into the blades. 
Yeah, I guess like... It's like an X. Yeah, yeah. very thin blades that cross the window so that, like, you can't see them if you're, for example, a bird wearing a hood. (laughs) I don't know why he's wearing the hood. I don't think he's wearing a hood. It was the first time. I'm going to keep assuming he is until it tells (sighs) us differently. That's fair. Okay. On the morrow, the husband arose very early at daybreak, saying that he would hunt within the wood. Well, I guess he kind of is. His sister made the fast the doors behind him and returned to her bed to sleep because it was before dawn. She's like, I don't have to go to church yet. The lady lay awake, considering of the night whom she loved so loyally. Tenderly, she called him to her side. Without any long tarrying, the bird came, flying at her will. He flew in at the open window and was entangled amongst the blades of steel. One blade pierced his body so deeply that the red blood gushed from the wound. When the falcon knew that his hurt was to death, he forced himself to pass the barrier, and coming before his lady fell upon her bed, so that the sheets were drenched in blood. The lady looked upon her friend and saw his wound, and was altogether anguished and distraught. The knight said, Sweet friend, I know that my life is lost for you. Did I not speak truly that if our loves were known, I should surely be slain? He did say that. I thought he was being dramatic. I mean, again, we, like, there's a lot of meta in this story, and I feel like the characters kind of know. Mm-hmm. They know that, like, she knows that this is her fairy tale, and she's engaging with it, and so he's kind of telling her, here's, like, the statutes, here's what the rules are, mm-hmm. and so this is the fulfillment of that. On hearing these words, the lady's head fell upon the pillow, and for a space she lay as though she were dead. She faints. And the knight, and I guess the knight at this point, like, he forces himself through and shapeshifts back into a dude, and he's, like, bleeding out on the bed. And the knight cherished her sweetly. I guess that means, like, he's trying to comfort her while also bleeding and dying (laughs) on her? I'm just gonna say fill in the blanks as you will with whatever rating you think this scene deserves. She's unconscious! Well, only for a space, only for a moment. Okay. She, like, faints for a minute and she gets back up and whatever. Bro, you should not be doing that while you're bleeding out. I agree, but it's his last moments. Like, I can't begrudge the guy. Fair enough. He prayed her not to sorrow over much, since she would... (laughs) Why are you delivering this news now? He prayed that she should not sorrow over much, because she would bear a son who would be her exceeding comfort. I think they are doing it at this moment, because he's like, I gotta get one more in. So that I can fulfill this little thing. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I feel like they're doing this pretty much on the daily, so I don't know. But yeah, you're going to have a son, and his name should be Yannick. He will prove a most valiant knight and would avenge both her and him by slaying their enemy. The knight could stay no longer, for he was bleeding to death. In great dolor of mind and body, he flew from the chamber. So he, like, he retransforms and books it. Okay, hold on. Uh Uh-huh. Her husband. Very old, yes? Pretty old, yeah. Old. Real old. But the expectation is that he's going to keep living for long enough for her to have a child who will grow up and take revenge on this old man. It does just say the enemy, but yeah. I mean, what- It could it could be the sister, it could be the She's sister. She's also old. Well, we don't know how much older. He could be 60 and she could be like, you know, 50. 40. I guess. I've been assuming that we're talking like 70 for both of them. That's fair. I feel like Crone, like Boomer, is more of an attitude. Fair. So. 
She she's a crotchety old Karen. All right, all right. I don't know. It's a fairy tale, Mac. You got to give a little leeway here. I'm just saying, you know, if she wants <laughs> to take revenge, she's already grown. She could stab them now. I agree with you. However, I don't feel like our lady has been that smart. And her next actions, do you want to guess what she does? Mm, hold on. Okay. She's real dumb. She's going to take the bloody sheets and, like, put them in, like, a special place and, like, I don't know, treasure them like relics. I wish. I wish she did something that sensible. Well, I didn't say a private place. I was thinking, like, over the mantelpiece. She is so upset that she jumps out the window. (laughs) Girl, you are specifically instructed. You're pregnant. <laughs> she was just told that she was pregnant. You're just and she's told like, that you are pregnant, and then yeah. like the next step is to raise a child to do the revenge thing. Yep. This is the worst possible way to do that. Yes, that is correct. Did she at least take the blades out of the window first? I think they did that like after I feel like he forced his way through and like chucked him onto the floor in dramatic fashion. I feel like that's part of the moment. Okay, okay. Yeah, so she is so distressed. She And she's not even doing this out of like a, oh, I want to end it all. No, she just wants to follow him. And she's like, sure, I'm going a, I'm to a jump out this window and fly away too. That's her logic. Right. Yeah. In her desire to follow him, she sprang forth from the window. Marvelous it was that she was not killed outright, for the window was 20 feet from the ground, which is realistically not that high up for a tower. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I was expecting much higher if she's in a tower. That's just That's just the second story. Yeah, it's not, it's not that bad. Also, when it says follow him, does, do they mean to death? Or is she, like, hoping that she's going to also turn into a bird? She's hoping to turn into a bird. Because remember, he's a fairy. Sure. He's a fairy. So she's like, maybe with a little, you know, pixie dust, I too, now that I'm impregnated, maybe I'll turn into a bird. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Sure. Sure. Right? So when the lady made her perilous leap, she was clad only in her shift. Dressed in this fashion, she set herself to follow the knight by the drops of blood which dripped from his wound. So she's like out in the woods in her nightgown following this trail of blood. Very dramatic. I mean, at least she's doing something, you know? Personally, I like this move. I like the drama of it. Fun moment. She went along the road that he had gone before until she lighted upon a little lodge. The lodge had but one door and it was stained with blood. By the marks on the lintel, which is to say that little step before you go into the house. Oh, I thought the lintel was the thing over the door. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. So by the mark over the door, she knew that, and it does name him here. In this text, it calls him Edumarek, which is better than Muldumarek to me. But mm-hmm. Edumarek? Anyway, yeah. So Sounds like French education software. <laughs> it really does. She could use some, honestly. Well, I don't think she ever got any. Like, I have to... That's true. She spent the last seven years in a box not allowed to talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think they gave her books. So, I'm going to call him Ed. Good choice. I approve. Because, yeah. I guess it's Ud. Udmark? Ud. Udmark? I'm calling him Ed. Ed, yeah. Yeah, Ed. So, anyway, by the marks on the lintel, she knew that Ed had gone into the hut but she could not tell whether he remained within. She entered into the lodge, but all was dark, and since she might not find him, 
Since she could not find him inside, she came forth from the hut and pursued her way. She went so far that, at the last, the lady came to a very fair meadow. Hold on. Yes. She went into the hut. Yep. It was dark. Mm-hmm. She couldn't find him. Mm-hmm. She left. Correct. Could she not find him because he wasn't there? Or did she go in, go, it's too dark, I can't tell, I'm gonna just assume he's not here? I think she searched for him. Okay. I think the point of this lodge is, in fact, that it is a, shall we call it, liminal space. Mm, yes, yes, I can see that. Yes. So, for those of you who are not quite following, because she follows this track of blood across the meadow until she sees a city. And for those of you who are not quite following, because this is it's not super clear in this text, she goes into this tiny little hut in the woods, and presumably she, like, closes the door behind her. She looks around, she's like, it's very dark. My lover went in here. I can't find him. That's weird. I guess he went onward. She opens the door. She is now in the fairy land. Yes, everything's uh, in technicolor instead of black and white. Yes. So now she's in Fairyland, and there's this big, beautiful meadow that there wasn't one before. The trail of blood now leaves the house, because at this point it had only gone to the house. Like, she didn't see anything going away from the house, so Mm -hmm. that's why she went in. And her in her dumb state doesn't realize, like, oh, yes, I've gone to Fairyland. Like, Well, I mean, would you pick up on that? I mean, I feel like if there's a trail going from the house that you didn't see when you went into the house... That was pretty clear. Maybe he snuck out behind you. Maybe. I don't, I feel like, you know, if there's not a back door. Or you just didn't notice the first time. Like, I feel like there are other explanations. I, I wouldn't immediately right. think Fairyland. That's fair, I guess. So anyway, now, now she's in Fairyland. And for those of you who are tracking our motif counter, this kind of connects to our Imram and Ektra in Irish lore and other Celtic lore, where somebody goes on a journey to fairyland and then comes back. So track that one. Another one on our, I guess, motif bingo card. Yeah. There was no house nor hall nor tower, but all shone as bright as silver. That, that is to say, like, everything that looks there looks like silver. So instead of going to the Emerald City, she's in the Silver City. She just forgot to put her uh, green glasses her, on. Yeah, her, her glasses, yeah. So rich were the folk who dwelt therein. Before were above 300 lying in their haven. This is a weird way of saying that this is like a little walled city of 300. Yeah. She enters in and the gouts of freshly fallen blood led her through the streets to the castle. He must be out of blood by now. (laughs) You can bleed out for a long time. I'm just saying, like, if there's like enough to make a consistent trail, he's losing a lot. Yeah, he is. I'm I'm doing the thing. I'm, I'm doing the ebony boat thing. Yep. Yeah, but again, like, he's a fairy, so there's magic involved. So no one challenged her entrance into the city, none asked of her business in the streets, and she passed neither man nor woman upon her way. Like, nobody's there. Spots of red blood lay on the staircase of the palace. Wait, if she didn't pass anyone, how does she know that the the, the town has a population of 300? By, like, how large it is. Oh, okay, fair. You know? <laughs> that make, I mean, it makes sense to me, right? Like, if you look at Google Maps, you can kind of be like, hmm, that's probably a town of 10,000 people. That's a town, that's a city of 100,000 or whatever. All right, you know, I'll take your word for it. I've, I've never tried to eyeball demographics. Well, I mean, it does say that it's walled. Yeah. So, you gotta, con- I don't know. Makes sense to me. Fair. I okay. think Mar- Marie's doing a little archaeology here. She's She's throwing it in there just for us. Archaeology? Yeah, like you look at the remains of the post holes and you figure out where the houses are and about how many people lived in the town. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, 
Yes, so the lady goes in to the um, the palace, blah, 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 and found herself within a low seal. See, wow, it really just says a low sealed room. A low ceiling room. Yep. She goes into this room. We've seen that before. That In that French story we read a while back, The Divided Horse Cloth, the son was telling his father that he would let him sleep in the sealed chamber, spelled C-E-I. I-L, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's if something has a ceiling, it's sealed. Mm-hmm. Like, roofed. Yes. So, now we're getting into some more weird territory. She goes in, she sees this, like, low-ceiling room where a knight was sleeping on a pallet. She looked upon his face and continued on. It's like, this is just a knight, not her knight. <laughs> just a knight. <laughs> ah, the first person I've seen in this mysteriously deserted Silver City. Oh, nope, not him. Anyway. Not him. I mean, he's bleeding out. She, she has kind of a motive right now. Well, I mean, she could ask, like, hey, has a, has a, has a very bloody bird come through he's here? He's sleeping. Wake him up. You're a damsel <laughs> in distress. He's a knight. That's fair. So she goes into the next room. It's a larger room which was empty save for one lonely couch and the knight who slept in there. But the lady entered a third chamber and she saw a stately bed and knew well that this was her friend's. Right, see, the, fir- like, the first That's... one was uh, too small Palette. and the second one yep. was too big, but this one yep. is just right. Mm-hmm. I think what this is basically doing here is one of those old motifs from the original story, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Where, one, we have the rule of thirds, which we're very, very used to mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the very old tales. And it's we're just trying to show off, like, the wealth. So maybe in the original story, it was like, oh, there's, like, one hut, and it's very small. And the next house is a little bit larger. But no, this is the Lord's Hall, and that must be her friends. So we're doing the same thing here, except it's, like, within the palace. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, like, the fairy tale motif of, like, and there was a room of silver, and then there was a mm-hmm. room of gold, and then there yep. was a room of diamonds. Same thing. The furniture was worth the ransom of a city, and the wax and torches and sconces of silver light the room, blah blah blah. It's so rich, of course it is. Swiftly as the lady had come, she knew again her friend. Directly, she saw him with her eyes. She goes into the room and sees him on the bed, and she's like, oh no, my lover! I love the specification, like, it doesn't just say, she came in and she recognized him. It's like, as soon as she arrived, she knew him because she saw him with her eyes. Look, it's hard to translate these, okay? <laughs> you didn't translate them, I can't. I didn't, but, like, you're going from medieval French into modern English. I feel like we can give the guy a break. All right, we'll give him a break. All right. So she hastened to the bed. No, okay, now we now we can't give, now we can't give him a break, <laughs> because the next line is, she hastened to the bed and incontinently swooned. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't counting on this in this story. I thought we were going to read a fairy tale, Mac. Which, of course, in, in <laughs> archaic terminology, means without restraint. Not that she swooned and then <laughs> herself. <laughs> she swooned unhesitatingly. Yeah, she just immediately passes out. She sees him on the bed and immediately passes out. Now, the night while he's bleeding out, clasps her in his arms. She's like, he's like, oh, f- I'm bleeding out, but you're passing out and I'm a knight. So I'm going to like grab you. It's going to cause like, sepsis. Yeah. Bring you into bed. It's, it's fine. <laughs> 
and tries to comfort her. Fair friend, for God's love. I specifically instructed you to do something other than this. <laughs> for God's love, I pray you get out of here as quickly as you are able. My time will end before the day, and my household in their wrath may do you a mischief if you are found in the castle. <laughs> They are persuaded that by reason of your love I have come to my death. Fair friend, I am right heavy and sorrowful because of you. Alright, this is this is very East of the Sun, West of the Moon, and all those other, like, mm -hmm. Cupid and Psyche stories. Yes. So, again, for those of you who are counting motifs, this is fairies doing a mischief, which, 10 out of 10 phrasing. But this makes sense, because a fairy lord going to the human realm to, like, find a lover, and then get killed because of it. Standard fairy tale fare. If this story had been written a few centuries later, I would put money on this being like, and my mother is an ogre. But I don't think we have yeah. ogres yet. I don't think so. But, so it makes sense that the fae, who are already kind of capricious when it comes to human interaction, would turn on the sole human inhabitant of their city. Mm-hmm. And so the lady makes answer. The best thing that can befall me is that we shall die together. How can I return to my husband? If he finds me again, he will surely slay me by the sword. Which I kind of get, actually. She doesn't want to go back to that. She was set up. She knows she's been set up. But also, the guy was like, you're pregnant. Okay, yeah, I know that this is like criticizing fairy tale logic, but... And you can't do that. This is a false dichotomy. Yes. Your options are not stay here and die or go home and die. You could go somewhere else. There are more than two places. Yes. Well, like, also, for a medieval woman, were there? Like, we don't know what her relatives are. Like, her relatives put her in this situation, so they would put her back into her husband, you know? Like... I'm not saying there's another nice place, but, like, I don't know. You could go hermit in the woods or something or just make a make a life as a peasant somewhere. Like, go find a monastery, go be a nun. Yeah, you could be a nun. Yeah, that's an easy option. Yeah, like, there are options. Yeah. But there really aren't, because it's this fairy tale logic. Right, exactly. And, again, we've got this meta stuff going on that they know that they're in a fairy tale. So, she's like, no, I'm gonna die. She's distressed, whatever. The knight consoled her as best he could. Now, you're gonna get real mad about this next bit, so. Okay, okay. Let me, let me finish this paragraph. Okay. And then you can get mad. Okay. He bestowed a ring upon her, teaching her that as long as she wore this gift, her husband would think none of these things, nor care for her person, nor seek revenge for his wrongs. Then he took his sword and gave it to her, conjuring her by their great love never to give it to the hand of any till their son should be counted a brave and worthy knight. When that time was come, she and her lord would go, together with the son, to a feast. They would lodge in an abbey, where they would see a very fair tomb, the son must be told of this death, and there he must be given the sword. In that place shall be rehearsed the tale of his birth and his father and this bitter wrong. And then shall be seen what he will do. Okay. I was expecting the ring to be like, and this is so I can recognize you. Nope. <laughs> Not quite. All right. I do have, of course, an objection to this, which is she's just been given a magic, your husband will not be suspicious of you ring. Uh -huh. And a sword. And the uh -huh. instruction is not, take this sword and stab him with it. Uh-huh. But rather, take this sword and then... And wait. And wait, like, 20 years. Uh-huh. And take it to an abbey. Yeah. 
Also, see, the thing that gets me about this is, where was this ring earlier? Right. No, that... He see, was wearing it. the ring when he took the communion earlier. Ooh, that's what it is. So then... Ah. So I guess the only way that the spell works mm-hmm. is, like, if you're in the room and you see him, you know. Like, you're like, oh, shoot, this guy's a fairy. But if you don't see him, then you're good? Like, how, do, like, how does this work? Why? Why? I like the idea that, like, what the ring does is it makes you, like, supernaturally not suspicious. Like, if someone sees you, they won't ever think you're not yeah. supposed to be here or you're yeah. clearly up to something. They're just like, oh, yes, that's... A guy. That's a guy. That's a guy. I guess that's supposed to be happening, and then you just move on. Or like, oh, yeah, my wife is back. Hey, wasn't she cheating on me? No, you know what? It's probably not important. Whatever. Like, it just yeah. it just makes people, like, not suspect you. See, okay, so then that means that the lady, when she was hiding behind the curtain, she, like, rolled a nat 20. I was assuming that Ed takes it off to have sex. But why would he do that? Like, sh- like the lady is already... Well, you know, you're supposed to take off your clothes. A ring? A ring? It's close. Oh my god. I mean, you don't know where he wears it. <laughs> Stop. I mean, okay, I'm gonna say that it gives you, like, a plus three or something to your stealth, but you can still pass, like, a perception check with a DC to, like, get over it. And so that's how they figured it out. She's like, you are you are literally, I am watching you have sex with my sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do to pass that check. There's nothing. But like, oh, I get like, was my wife, my, my wife's here and like the cheater's not here. The, the, the what? The, oh, I guess everything's fine. Like I, that I can see passing. All right. So we'll call it like a plus three stealth ring or something. So anyway, then they get this weird prophecy about the Abbey. I feel like that's standard. Like, oh, when the child yeah. reaches age, you give him the sword and you tell him about his father. And then you set him off to go seek revenge. Yeah. Fine. I don't know how she's getting to an Abbey, considering that she's locked in a tower. But, you know. I mean, at this point, he's not like the Lord. Like the magic ring makes sure that the Lord's like, oh, whatever. I guess I'll take my wife up to places now. You know what? That that works. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That one makes sense. Let's just credit the ring with it. So, when the knight had shown his friend all that was in his heart, he gave her a gown. Blood. That she might... Huh? Blood is what was in his heart. Yeah, indeed. He showed her all the blood. All the blood. He gave her a gown that she might clothe her body and get her from the palace. She went her way according to his command, bearing with her the ring and the sword that was her most precious treasure. Really? Precious? With the ring? Okay. (laughs) And there we go. This is about halfway through our recording, and I feel like our protagonist departing the fairy palace is a reasonably good place to cut. So, if you want to know what happens next, how helpful this ring is, whether the emergency revenge baby thing pans out, tune in next week for part two of Yannick. Thank you for listening to the Maniculum Podcast. Please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes to help support us. 
If you're interested in exclusive merch and continuous exclusive content, consider becoming a patron on Patreon. To see our sources and our notes, check out our blog on themaniculumpodcast.com. And hey, come get involved in our community. We have a Discord group that you can join, and you can find links to our server on our Facebook group, The Maniculum Podcast, our Twitter, at Maniculum, and our Instagram, at Maniculum Podcast. Original music by Walker. Check out their project, Sugar Glass, on Spotify. Swiftly, the lady had come... Wait, hang on. Swiftly, Great the lady had come... Great choice of a place to pause there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're gonna use that one. Yeah, that's Great. going at the end. Oh, no. All right.